On today's podcast, we are talking about final pay controls. Now, if that's the first time that you've heard those words together, then you are not alone. Final pay controls is yet another obscure but incredibly important and relevant piece of pensions tax legislation. We're going to hear how this uh, final pay controls tax legislation generated a bill of £200,000 for one NHS employee and £500,000 for another NHS employee. These are specific, actual, real-life case examples, I'm very, very sad to say. So on Medics Money, we cover everything from the very basics uh, right up to very complicated things like this. This is definitely a niche area and is very, very complicated, but we're really happy to be joined by Andy Powell, who is a specialist medical accountant who is featured on Medics Money. He works for Mazars up in the Northwest, and Andy has some pretty unique links to doctors and some also pretty unique skill set and he takes us through this issue. This is just another part of what Medics Money is doing which is educating doctors about the financial issues that they face and although the podcast is going amazingly well we could not have done it without all of you so everyone that's listening finding this useful leaving us reviews and sharing it with your colleagues and that really is the most important part really share this with your colleagues so that everybody can be aware of these financial issues nobody taught us about this in medical school we don't get any financial education as we go through our careers and if you want to avoid a 200 or 500,000 pound pension tax bill, then you're going to need to have a listen to today's episodes. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Medics Money Podcast. My name is Dr. Tommy Perkins and I'm a GP. And my name is Dr. Ed Cantelow, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and a chartered tax advisor. And yes, you did hear that right. Not only is Ed a doctor, he's also a chartered accountant and a tax advisor. Medics Money empowers doctors and other professionals like you to make better financial decisions. So on today's podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Andy Powell from Mazars, who is a specialist medical accountant who joined Medics Money Network about three months ago now. So Andy, do you want to introduce yourself to the Medics Money podcast listeners? Yeah, thanks, Tommy. Um, as Tommy said, my name is Andy. Uh, I'm a partner in uh, a company called Mazars, who are a national accountancy company. Uh, but I'm a partner in the healthcare team uh, who act specifically really for uh, GPs and uh, consultants and any doctors really uh, throughout the UK. So we've got bases throughout the whole of the UK. We currently act for about 350 GP partners, ships, and about 2,600 medics um, of various forms across the country. Um, I'm also on the board of something called ASMA, the Association of Independent Specialist Medical Accountants, uh, and, and that's a network of accountancy firms across the country who specialise uh, in GP and uh, consultants and uh, doctors' tax and accounts. Um, personally, uh, I'm married to a GP, so uh, I do know what it's like to live with a doctor. Uh, all the plus points and, and perhaps some of the negative points, uh, but hopefully she's not listening to those. Um, and I live up in the Lake District, um, thankfully, so I get lots of free time to wander the hills uh, to think about all things accountancy um, and all things to do with medics. Awesome. Um, yeah, we maybe we shouldn't talk about the pros and cons of being married to a doctor on air um, <laughs> because I uh, don't want to get you in trouble in case uh, she is listening. But uh, I think it's really good uh, as a doctor myself to know that, you know, you know what it's like for us, not just because you're looking after 350 practices and 2,600 doctors, but because you're also <laughs> 
fortunately, lucky enough to be married to a, a GP. Uh, and it's definitely worth uh, following Andy on Twitter, you know, sometimes for his accountancy insights, but for the amazing photos of the Lake District. It looks absolutely beautiful up there. And uh, I look forward to the time when we can come and visit Mazar's office uh, when the pandemic is over, because uh, it looks like your Mazar's office is out in the hills, which is uh, definitely my cup of tea. Um, so today we are talking about something really quite specialist uh, and something that just demonstrates the power and benefit of specialist knowledge. And that is something called final pay controls. Now, we live in a clickbait world where clickbait headlines are what's needed to get people's attention. So give us your clickbait headline for what we're talking about today. So final pay controls. Um, it can cost GP practices uh, thousands of pounds without you knowing. Um, you can get a bill out of nowhere, uh, which can actually destabilize the practice. Yeah. That is a strong clickbait headline and is, uh, as we're about to see, unfortunately, not an exaggeration. So let's get into away from the clickbait and then more into the substance of it, which I think is where we're both more comfortable. So I've heard that if a member of staff gets a pay increase in the last few years, then, as you just said, it can result in a significant cost for the practice. Tell me more about this. So, so this refers to some legislation which came in in April 2014 called Final Pay Controls. Um, and what it was brought in to do was to try and control the cost of pension growth through large pay rises that people got in the, the, in the final few years of, of working. Um, it, it was an interesting thing at the time, not really didn't impact on too many people at that point in time, but we are increasingly seeing it. So, so what does it work? How does it work? What does it affect? Well, uh, predominantly it affects people who are in the 1995 pension scheme. Um, so on your previous podcast, um, I think Rachel Hall's gone into the differences between the different types of pension schemes. But it, this references the 1995 pension scheme. And it, it's specifically to do with um, the, the impact of uh, the final salary. Uh, that applies in that pension scheme. So in the 1995 pension scheme, your pension is ultimately based on the final salary you get. So if you your salary increases in those final few years, that will increase your pension. Um, so the, the final pay control bit is basically trying to control the cost of that, because I think NHS pensions were worried that suddenly you, you've got a, you know, a 20% uh, pay rise in the last year that upped the pension by 20% and no one's actually contributed towards the cost of that pension. So it was brought in uh, to try and combat that. And how it works is essentially for anyone who is in the officer side of the scheme, um, so principally uh, GP staff or or any staff actually, uh, employed staff, you, you look at the, the final um, pay uh, that they get before uh, taking their pension and you compare it with the previous three years and compare it with a reference year which is actually a fourth year um, going back and you're allowed to increase going back that pay every year by a certain amount which is 4.5 percent plus the cpi consumer prices in index inflation and complicated calculation of different ways of doing it um, it's never straightforward in the nhs but as ever there's different ways of doing it but you basically track that through um, and see whether actually your final pay is more than you're allowed to have. And if your final pay is more than you're allowed to have, that means your pension growth is in excess of more you're allowed to have, and they then quantify that. Um, that produces what's called a final pay charge, uh, and that, that pay charge is then levied on the employer. 
So it's either levered on, you know, your hospital trust, if you're working in hospital trust, or uh, a GP practice, if you're an employee in a GP practice. Yeah, so that's a really interesting point, uh, because normally when we're talking about uh, pensions tax bills, we're talking about the doctors themselves getting a hideous pensions tax bill. Um, None of your clients, I'm sure, because they will have all had excellent advice. But so the, the person that pays this final pay charge is the practice partner partners is that right well it's it's, it's the employer so uh, you know a gp in a gp partnership scenario um gp partners uh, employ all their members of staff uh, and pay all their pension contributions on their behalf so it is the gp practice as the employer that gets the the charge and that charge can be significant yeah um and i think i know the answer to this question because you said it was for officers but does this impact on partners as well or not well it it, it does in some respect it doesn't um, and that it depends on the type of partner, um, and that's the the differences in the pension scheme they're under. GP partners, so GPs, um, are under what's called the practitioner scheme. Um, so that isn't a final salary scheme within the 1995 scheme. So it doesn't impact on them. However, it does impact on non-GP partners. Um, so your nurse practitioners, your practice managers, and the increasing number of Uh, non-GPs that were taking up partnerships within general practice at the moment. And the reason for that is non-GP partners who are members of the 1995 scheme um, uh, are are still on the officer basis, um, but their final salary is based ultimately on their final profit share. Um, So in, in their case, it's not a measurement of the salary in the last four years, but it's a measurement of the profit share they get in the last four years. Um, yeah. that can result in a final pay control charge. And it's perhaps though that group uh, which are we're seeing are having perhaps the biggest impact by far in terms of charges coming through. Yeah, and that strikes me as an uh, unintended consequence because they can't control, well, reasonably control their final profit share because they have a good year, have a good year, have a bad year, have a bad year. So that seems um, a slightly uh, very difficult. Um, so we talked about clickbait headlines at the start. Give me the worst case scenario for this. So the worst case scenario that we potentially could have seen within Mazars, um, but we've we've managed to to nip that in the bud by doing some uh, proactive planning on it, um, would have been a charge of in excess of two hundred thousand uh, pounds. The worst one I've heard through our network recently is a potential charge in excess of half a million. So we can talk about big numbers if the scenarios arise that aren't planned for. Wow, I mean. As a GP partner myself, the the thought of having a half a million pound liability uh, that that would that's going to destabilise any practice that gets a bill of that magnitude. Uh, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these these are the, you know. I mean, I would stress these are you know not common scenarios, but but they do happen. But you know, absolutely, in excess of a hundred thousand is is becoming a regular thing we're beginning to see. You go to a partnership and say. Um, can you can you find a hundred thousand pounds? I suspect there aren't many that have got that sat around in their bank account at the moment. Um, and also, you know, it's it's then it leads to arguments as to who that liability relates to because actually it's the retiring non-GP partner that's got the the benefit of the pension. Um, and most GP partnership agreements that I've seen are fairly silent on this matter because it's not really been out there at the moment. Um, so it leads to all kinds of issues around who who pays it. Um, is it is it right? Have the NHS pensions agency got it right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Should it have been planned for? 
Um, and, and, and you know, there's even worse scenarios. There's scenarios that you can't control. Uh, and so you could have a situation where, you, you know, someone goes on ill health retirement. So you've planned this as much as best as possible and looked at controlling pay. And that person, you know, looked to be working five, six years down the line, had a fairly large pay rise or profit rise in the last couple of years. Not really a problem because they're going to work for ever more uh, or for certainly through the through this three year period. That's not a problem. But suddenly go on ill health grounds. Um, wham. That's the point. It suddenly triggers the final pay control issue. And we've got you've got other scenarios where you could perhaps have managers coming into practice to turn around businesses uh, who, who might stay for a couple of years in the NHS, turn that practice around, improve the profits, um, get paid on that you know, improved profit situation, leave the NHS to go and do something else. And eventually when they come to take their NHS pension, um, maybe 15, 20 years later, potentially, they look back and the NHS pensions agency will say, well, actually, we'll, we'll take the best of their last three years of profits in the NHS. Oh, that's gone up quite a lot. That's the final pay controls issue. Um, here's a bill. Uh, and that's, you know, that could be ages down the line all the partners might not actually be partners at that point in time and then what happens so lots of different scenarios where it can arise and cause complications yeah i mean um definitely something to be aware of i want to just pick up on something you said you said that within mazars uh the worst case scenario that you'd identified was a potential two hundred thousand pound charge but you managed to uh, avoid that by using your specialist skills which is why Medics Money only deals with specialist medical accountants like yourself, but I know you can't go into specifics. But what? How, how did you? How did your advice manage to erase that two hundred thousand pound bill? It was a slightly unique scenario where we had a non-GP partner had to take over a, a GP practice because it would, you know, it was just a situation if, if that that person hadn't stepped in, that practice would have collapsed. So they stepped in, um, um, and. You know, they were previously employees. They went from an employee to being a partner. Um, their profit share was far higher than their their salary. Um, but that person was close to retirement age and was looking to retire. And, and you know, it's, it, essentially what we've had to do is defer retirement for that person uh, and put it back um, through this three-year window. And we've had to look at what profit share they've taken out. Thankfully, new partners have now come in, so that practice is a lot more stable. Um, so they did a you know a great thing for the NHS and a great thing for their patients. But actually, on a personal level, it's, it's stopped them actually retiring. Um, so it's, it's really about delaying that um, and managing their profit share through that period. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're pretty happy that you're their accountant and not uh, a non-specialist. But that just seems particularly unfair because, you know, that individual has tried to do the right thing by stabilizing a practice and taking it over and gets penalized for it. So, yeah, again, it's just another example of very odd uh, pensions taxation. Um, so, yeah, thanks for that. Okay, so um, we talked about that it was for 95 schemed officers. I mean, are there any cases where, give me some good news, are there any cases where this doesn't apply? Yeah, so it, 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 I mean, the good news is if, if it's, you're looking at em, employed staff, if they're on the agenda for change contract and are just getting pay rises as they move up through the scales on that, um, then if that triggers the excess amount, then if you're on, a, on an agenda for pay, it doesn't apply to you. So that, that's one good piece of news. Um, the second important point is that if someone moves jobs, and this is where it's really unfair. So if you um, 
Tommy, let's say you were the practice manager at practice A and you moved to practice B and got a pay rise for that. Actually, moving employees doesn't trigger pay or employers doesn't trigger final pay controls. You can go and negotiate whatever you want from your new employer. So it's only when you get a pay rise within your existing employment. Um, I mean, there is a subsequent issue, which really going into how stupid it is that actually if you then have a final pay control in the second employment issue, it can then result in a final final pay control issue in the previous employment. So that employer could suddenly have a bill that comes out nowhere. But that's that's getting into the detail. So, but changing jobs um, doesn't trigger final pay controls. But that I mean, to me seems unfair because at the moment in general practice we're getting so much change going on, and and we're wanting non uh, GPs to take up more senior roles within practices. Um, so ideally, they'd want to take that up within the practice they're actually in at the moment. Uh, yeah, and this could cause problems. Yeah um crazy that you know they would be penalized for doing that but not if they change jobs uh makes you wonder if uh, whoever drafted the uh, legislation understood all these uh, consequences or not um so how big a problem do you think that this is it's a growing problem i think it's quite it'll be quite significant um uh, and, and one of the reasons why it's a growing problem is that the pension nhs pensions have 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 realize that they're perhaps their their systems in the early years weren't very good at actually recording this uh, and chasing after this and they've tightened their system significantly to to make sure uh, that, that it's declared to them and they calculate final pay controls so that's flushing a lot more people out there's a lot more non-gp partners um, in general practice now um, and they tend to be more senior uh, people in age um, and therefore close to retirement. Um, so that's causing more problems. I think we've got, you know, increasing amount of volatility of earnings at the moment, um, you know, uh, in practices, and we can have practices increase profits quite significantly. So you can take a scenario where um, you've had uh, two partners leave and you're not replaced by partners, that, that increases possibly the partnership profits for the remaining partners. Um, temporarily while they go out and recruit and that can push pay up so lots of scenarios coming in that are, are, are you know are resulting in possible final pay controls issues yeah and I mean I don't think there's a great deal of awareness about this out there I mean it reminds me a bit of when annual allowance dropped from 245 down to 50 and then down to 40,000 there was a few people in the know like yourselves and uh, I've heard it from other accountants I think it was way back in 2013 14 saying you know this annual allowance is going to be a massive massive problem and then lo and behold two years later everyone realized the true extent of the problem I mean do you think this is going to be another problem like that where a few experts in the know have flagged this as an issue but actually not the wide the wider stream you know non-specialist accountants are just n- not aware of this at all um, absolutely. I mean, it's it's really obscure piece of legislation. Um, so not a lot of people do know about this. People may have just heard the name, but very rarely. Um, not many people do the calculations. Um, and uh, to be honest, as even as an expert, the calculations, are, you look at them and think, uh, you know, wow, how do you do that? Why is that all? What's that all about? Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm a specialist, so I'd, I'd say absolutely specialists would be picking up on this, and, and they are. Um, but you can have situations with specialists where your client hasn't told you that they've given someone a pay rise. Um, 
and it suddenly comes out. So it, even even we've got that problem of of not knowing what's out there really. Um, but yeah, you know, comparing it with annual allowance, annual allowance was a huge problem. It remains a huge problem. It's not gone away. It's it's just hopefully uh, the tapering side is is not as bad going forward, uh, but it's still a problem, um, and that affected lots of people. Um, but the amounts of tax were perhaps smaller, very high for that individual, but smaller. This will affect fewer numbers of people, but the amount of pension charge that you get or final pays control charge is larger. So if you're in that unlucky practice that get hit by this, it's a significant problem. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I always like to uh, finish up the podcast with a nice, easy question. So I've got a real easy one for you to finish with. Um, do you think, how's all this going to be affected by the McLeod rectification? That's a nice, nice easy, easy question. One. Yeah, like I said, <laughs> super nice, easy question just to finish on, you know. Yeah. Um, nice clear-cut answer as well, I imagine. So if you're not sure what we're talking about here, listen to the podcast that we did, uh, episode 13, Unlucky for Some, episode 13, where we talk about this in detail. Um, so yeah, <laughs> what do you think about how the McLeod rectification is going to affect final pay controls, Andy? Okay, so the McLeod rectification is all about the creation of the 2015 scheme and how that was illegal. Um and, and the majority of people at that point in time that switched into the 2015 scheme came from the 1995 scheme. So it's likely that the rectification is going to allow people who've had to switch over to go back into the 1995 scheme. And it covers their sort of career history from 1990, sorry, 2015 through to 2022. So seven years worth of uh, career service will go back into the 1995 scheme. So final pay controls just affects people in the 95 scheme and it, it's looking at the benefit increase that they have in the 1995 scheme. So if you have more people having more career history in the 1995 scheme because of McLeod, which is generally a good thing, um, unfortunately, that's going to be in people having higher pension growth in the 95 scheme and higher final pay controls charges if they get caught by this legislation. Um, so if anything, it's the downside to McLeod. Um, there's lots of other downsides, as I'm sure Rachel Rachel covered in her podcast. Um, but it, it, yeah, it's it's only going to increase the the quantification of some of these control charges. Yeah, um, yeah, it's going to be a complex area, that for sure. And I don't think that's something that we covered uh, in Rachel's podcast. So good to mention uh, the impact of that there. Um, okay, so lots of people like this, maybe GP partners like like me. Uh, maybe listening to this just with their head in their hands about yet yeah, more complex pension legislation. I mean, where apart from using a specialist medical accountant like yourselves, where can we even start to get a handle on this? You know, what what would you say to someone like me who's just listening, thinking, "Oh my goodness!" I mean, I've got an excellent specialist medical accountant, so I'm not worried. But you know, you get the idea. Well, I think I think the important thing from a GP perspective, as a GP partner, is you've got to be telling. You know, you've got to be aware of this and we've got to increase everyone's general knowledge of this as a problem. And hopefully, you know, podcasts like this on Medics Money um, will, will be one way of doing that. And we need to raise this up, the, the threshold of things that are being discussed at higher level. Uh, and I know through ASMA, we, we're talking with the BMA about this uh, and you know, trying to push this as an agenda, really, as it's a, quite an important issue, because I think it's going to affect the whole of general practice. If we get knowledge of this similar to the way that people started to become aware of annual allowance problems at least then they're aware of perhaps the trigger points for it and can therefore be aware of what they need to look out for 
uh, and start talking to their accountants uh, and financial advisors about ways of mitigating it if it's becoming a problem. Um, but knowledge is key to this. Um, and I think also, you know, we do need it changing. It's um, We certainly need it changing for those scenarios where someone steps up within a practice and is doing a substantially different role within that practice. You know, so someone's switching from being an employee to partner, in my view, is a substantially different role. Um, I think we've got to be in a situation where if someone clearly is demonstrating they're taking a substantially different role on, that any uh, increased remuneration they get through that process shouldn't be, uh, shouldn't have a final pay controls impact. Um, but yeah, it's, it, you know, we just need to get that message out there so that everyone's aware of it and everyone can therefore start looking for the scenarios where it applies. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, it's great to have you on the podcast talking about this. It might seem like a super niche subject, but it's so important. And anything that we can do to help raise awareness of that. And I know that you guys are doing loads of work in the background. And we've actually had a joint meeting as well with the right people. But um, yeah, raising awareness is definitely the way forward. Okay. Um, so thanks so much for that. And um, if anybody needs to contact you, what's the best way to uh, get your words of wisdom? Yeah, so the best way is, is probably just by email to andrew.pow, that's P-O-W, at mazars.co.uk, or alternatively, you can find us on the Medics Money website uh, and connect through us that way. Okay, great. Um, thanks so much for your time, and thanks for everything you're doing to raise awareness of this really complex issue. Um, if you had um, like one tip uh, for a newly qualified GP who's just starting out in the world and doesn't need to worry about all of these complex things, you know, what's the one financial tip as an accountant that you would uh, give a newly, so somebody who maybe has just qualified uh, recently as a GP? Um, so uh, the tip I would say is that um, general practice is probably, it's no different from any other business in this country. Uh, it's no different from your small corner shop through to your largest, largest international global company in that ultimately um, your pay as a GP partner um, depends on the profits that you earn. And it's a simple case of, you know, the more income you earn and the less expenses you have, the more you earn. Um, so not to get too obsessed and too worried about all the, the difficulties with accounting and tax and pensions, um, just get a handle on um, simple things really, you know, and run your practice like you'd run your home. Um, in that you know you, you want to maximize your income and reduce your expenses but also getting that that right in terms of making sure that you know how you live your life and run your practice is is the way you want to do it awesome uh, i think that's just a, a great tip uh, i won't uh, ask you who wears the financial trousers in your house you or mrs powell who's also a gp as you said uh, imagine her accounts are in good shape all right. Thanks so much for your time today, Andy. Uh, always a pleasure to catch up with you and uh, look forward to seeing you on a podcast or webinar, Medics Money, uh, soon. Okay. Thanks very much, Tommy. Take care.